Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Woodburn. Everybody good? It's a beautiful Sunday. This time tomorrow, I, will, I won't be at the beach yet. I'll be in the car, but I'll be smelling the beach by now, and I, and I can't wait. Y'all know how much I love it. Uh, I will miss you guys. I really, really do miss you. I pray for you while I'm there, but, uh, but I'm excited to, to get away. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Uh, so good to see all of you this morning. Maria, so good to have your mom with us. How much longer? Uh, at least tonight, back home to Nicaragua. God bless you. So good to have you with us. How long are you guys in, Paul, from Kenya? Tomorrow to Arkansas, and then how much longer in the States? Back at the end of July. Okay, God bless you guys. So good to have you with us. Uh, I invite you, please come back tonight to listen to uh, more and more of what God is doing in, in Paul and Leah's life uh, and uh, Evan and Ethan and Allie. Um, it's just amazing. I, I love uh, their obedience. I miss them. I miss you, I miss you all a great deal, but still, um, to be able to send them out from our church is a great thing. J.D. Greer, I've heard him say that a lot of people measure a church's health on the basis of its seating capacity. You know, you think a church is alive if they get a lot of people under one roof. Uh, but J.D. says that truly uh, the true measure of a church's health is its, not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. How many people it's able to send out into the world. And I love the fact that we've been able to send uh, the Erdensons out. Uh, for any of you who've wondered if God could use you for whatever it is you do, you feel like you're not a preacher, so therefore not useful in the mission field. But I promise you, whatever it is you do, um, you are needed more somewhere else. Uh, the, the world needs you, and the world needs the gospel. And if you can be a school teacher or a PT or anything else and, and go in the name of Jesus, you can change the world, and that's what missions is. So uh, listen to the Lord as he calls you. Uh, Romans chapter 8, let's talk one more time about prayer. Uh, we've been talking about the importance of prayer and our church's mission uh, and the urgency of that. And so I want us to uh, consider one more time about what happens when we pray. I am um, always a little bit amazed when I listen to people talk on their phones these days. And wherever you are, somebody's talking on their phone these days, so you'll hear them. I think it's funny when people call now. And someone says hello on the other end. The first question that, that a person asks now is what? Where are you? Where are you? People call and then say, where are you? Which is still funny to me because listen to Pat Paul talk now, y'all. Uh, I'm old enough to remember that if you called somebody and they answered, you knew where they were. Like you didn't have to ask. They were where? At home. Because that's where their phone was. I mean, phones weren't mobile. Phones, at one point, everybody's phone was in the same place. It was on the kitchen wall by the fridge, and it was probably green because it was the 70s. Uh, and, and it was on the wall. And so if somebody answered the phone, you knew not only that they were home, but they were probably standing in their kitchen three feet from the wall because that's how long the cord was, you know. Phones were not mobile. They were wired. They were screwed in. And uh, if you picked up your phone, you were probably at home. But, man, uh, cell phones are so amazing. I mean, this is absolutely so amazing. You hear people talk about the amazing science and technology that is now in my hands smaller than a deck of cards. I think it's just simply the most fascinating thing in the world. Now, you don't have to know the physics of electromagnetism to understand how, a, you don't have to know any of that. All you have to do is, you know, pick up your phone and start talking. You don't have to know it. But if you do understand it and know a little something about it, it, it it's a miracle. It's just a miracle. 
When I pick up this phone to make a call and I start talking, uh, my phone, of course, has a microphone right here, and that microphone picks up the sound waves of my voice and instantly converts those waves into electric signals, which are then instantly fed into the microchip of the phone. In the microchip, uh, that little chip will take those electric signals of my voice and translate those into strings of numbers. My voice is translated into strings of numbers, which are then instantly packaged into small electromagnetic waves and sent out from my phone's antenna to the closest cell phone tower, uh, cell phone mass that they're called. From where I'm standing, I think the closest cell phone tower is actually behind Daniel Kirby's house, which is just that way. So the moment I make a call, my voice goes out from my phone with electromagnetic waves, finds Daniel Kirby's cell phone tower, and then if I've called you, the, the tower then will transfer the signal down to its base station and then, uh, then deliver that uh, phone call, that signal to wherever your phone is. And it doesn't matter where. It can go from tower to tower all the way around the world in milliseconds, you guys. I just think that's a hoot. I mean, I think that's the most amazing thing. And like I say, you don't have to understand all of that to pick up your phone and say, where are you, you know? But at the same time, when you understand all of that, it's got to make you appreciate the miracle just a little bit more. Now, I'm explaining all of that to you because we're talking about prayer. And as I've said, prayer is just simply talking to God. All you have to do is start talking to God. But if you could understand a little bit more of what's happening when you pray, and this is absolutely mind-blowing. You don't think about it. You probably don't have to understand it. You can always just talk to God. But I'm telling you, in the spiritual realm, in, in the realm of spiritual reality, there is a whole lot more happening when you pray than you probably ever even imagined. Let's talk about it. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. This is amazing to me. Now, Romans chapter 8 is my favorite chapter in all of Scripture, and I mean that. You've heard me say that. If you're on a desert island and only have one chapter of the Bible to last the rest of your life, take Romans 8 with you. It's all there. Everything you need, everything you need is in Romans chapter 8. We're talking about life in the Spirit. And at the end of Romans chapter 8, we begin to talk about prayer And how the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Let's start right there. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. The Holy Spirit prays for us. That's what we just read. The Holy Spirit prays for us. Have you ever had a prayer partner? You ever had an actual prayer? I mean, somebody, a a friend with whom you were that spiritually intimate, you could literally pray together and you would do so regularly. Um, You need one. That's not my message today, but I would stop to say you need one. You really need a prayer partner. Uh, You need somebody that you can pray with. Uh, Sometimes in your prayer life, you feel 
immature, you feel like your prayer life isn't growing, you feel stuck, and this is probably what you need to do. You need to begin praying with others. That's one of the ways in which you'll grow in prayer. I guess I prayed all my life, but I really discovered how important it is to pray with others in college. That's when really the Holy Spirit set a fire in my heart, and I really began to grow um, I guess one of the first guys I really started praying with in that way was Mark McRoy. He's in our congregation. Mark and I were really good friends then. We became just praying buddies, and to this day, we, we've prayed through our whole lives together, and I love Mark for that. He is still one of the uh, most amazing men of prayer I'll ever know, and I'm blessed to call him a friend. Um, in college, my first college roommate, his name was Bob, um, and uh, man, we just sort of God brought us together in an important time because I guess when you're new in college, you could go either way. You know, you could go in many ways. But, but I got Bob, and, and Bob got me, and we just started just pushing each other toward the Lord in an amazing way. And we just started praying like savages, and I mean it. We just started praying. Uh, we both sort of got, you know, th- learned the thrill of what it means to pray to a God who can do impossible things, you know. And so all of a sudden, we just start praying big prayers to a big God, and, and I really begin to grow. I don't think in my whole life there's another season that will match that season of growth uh, in, in praying with, with Bob. Man, we, 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 like I said, we prayed like savages. Um, Casey Wilson, who, who became Casey Harris, my wife, we met in college. Uh, we were prayer partners and, and partners in ministry before we were dating partners. We, were, we met in a, in, a, in a ministry to high school kids, and, uh, and we got paired up in ministry. Uh, we prayed many, many times together before we ever kissed once. Um, and so, uh, literally, she's been my prayer partner for life. Uh, I, I love her. I love that. Uh, this is only one of three churches I've, I've been a part of in my whole life. So most of my life is lived right here in Woodburn Baptist Church. Uh, the people of this church have discipled me into praying, uh, have taught me how to, how to pray deeper. Um, Pastor Ken Cummins back in the day really took this congregation to a different place in prayer, and we haven't gotten over that yet. God bless him. Ken's a great man and a great man of prayer. Uh, with that, just regular people that, that prayed with me and for me and, uh, and were my prayer partners. A woman named Wilma Guthrie, who's with the Lord now, but Wilma's just an amazing woman of prayer. And I prayed so much with her. I learned to pray in many ways from Wilma. Wilma get to praying, y'all, and her dentures would slip. And man, if her dentures, if she, if she, if her teeth came out, man, you knew God was, you know, uh, God was moving. If if her ten, if her dentures would fall out, uh, and the spirit was was about to do something big. I'm not making a joke, man. That woman prayed heaven down, and and she was amazing. Um, David, your mama, Sarah Sutherland. Uh, I love praying with Sarah. Uh, what an amazing woman of prayer. Um, Sarah got Parkinson's, uh, which lasted for years at the end of her life. I personally never heard Sarah complain not one time about Parkinson's, not any part of it. Um, until the end when she took a medication that had flattened her moods out, kind of flattened her out. And at that point, Sarah complained because she said that with that medication, she could no longer feel the same. She couldn't feel uh, what she was used to feeling in her praying. I mean, so think about that. A woman for whom prayer was such a part of her life that, that when Parkinson's interrupted her praying, that's when Parkinson's became a problem, you, you know. Uh, 
What an amazing woman. I, I told you guys that Jack Wright's the one that got me started running. Uh, what I probably didn't tell you is with Jack, every time you run, at the end of that run, you pray. Partly because I thought I was going to meet Jesus in a lot of those runs. <laughs> but no, uh, Jack's, you know, we would run and then we would finish and we would pray. I've run and prayed a lot of miles with Jack Wright. God bless him. Um, I'm just saying that, that, that in my life with the Lord, I've just learned the real importance of praying with others, and I want that for you. I, I want that for you. I, I don't think what I've just described is something for, you know, just for preachers. Um, this was my way of life long before I became a pastor, and, and I think it's your way of life too. You, you need partners in prayer. You, you need people that you are that kind of intimate spiritual friend with. And if it's not your spouse, you need to start there, your children. You, you need prayer partners. But this is what I want to tell you, and this is sort of beyond everything else I, I, I've just said. You have a prayer partner. Uh, and I'm not saying you don't need people, but, but, but you have a prayer partner. And this is, this is the miraculous revelation that comes out of Romans chapter 8. You have a prayer partner in the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say this, I, I'm not now, you know, you're like, ah, that sounds like something a preacher would say, or you think maybe I'm speaking metaphorically, you know, but no, no, I, I'm speaking in the plainest terms possible. I'm not describing something that's only true kind of in a churchy way. I'm explaining something that if you're a believer, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, then this is the realest thing to you as well. This is just what life is when you know the Lord. Now, with that, let me say, if you don't know the Lord, if, if, if you've never prayed a prayer of salvation, if you've never surrendered yourself to Christ, if you've never asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, then you don't know and you can't know what I'm talking about. For that matter, you're not going to like this, but let me just say, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, and you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, then God can't respond to your prayers in the first place. So the, the, the first prayer you're going to pray that God's going to respond to is your prayer of salvation. Understand, until, until you allow Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins, your sins are blocking that, that avenue of communication. The only way to have a relationship with Jesus uh, is through salvation, through surrendering to him. Now, once you do that, the Holy Spirit comes in, and now your life is different. It's not just a regular physical, material life. You now have a spiritual life. You are connected to God in a way impossible outside of Christ, and therefore, you have a, a new channel. You have a new possibility for praying that you could not have known before. So I'm talking to believers, but I'm saying as a believer, the Holy Spirit prays with you, through you, and for you every time you pray. The Holy Spirit prays with you, through you, and for you every single time you pray. Now when I say that, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is not some kind of accessory to your praying. I'm not saying that like, you know, Mark McElroy, Sarah Sutherland, Wilma Guthrie, Ken Cummins, you know, the, these are champions of prayer. And if you want to be a champion, no, 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 no. I, I'm not describing something that's only for those who want to experience some sort of new heights in prayer. I'm talking about the ordinary Christian life. There is no prayer outside of the Holy Spirit. So when I say the Holy Spirit is not an accessory, I'm just saying that the only way to talk about how praying works is to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. You, you can't take the Holy Spirit out of the picture and talk about prayer at all. 
You understand what I'm saying? So he's not an accessory. It's not like you can choose to pray in the Spirit or not to pray in the Spirit. No, there is only one kind of prayer, and that is the prayer through the Holy Spirit. So I'm not describing something that, you know, if you really want to go a little bit deeper, no, this is what prayer is. This is what your prayer is. This is Christian prayer, and it involves the Holy Spirit. Not as something extra, but as something ingredient. The Holy Spirit's work uh, is the only way to talk about the way prayer works. You with me so far? The Holy Spirit prays for you, through you, and in you. Now, according to the passage here, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings, that cannot be expressed in words. So as the Holy Spirit prays now, we're talking about a very different, a, a very different level, a very different realm of praying, and you wouldn't be capable of it. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's prayer, Paul, once you understand, is beyond words. It's beyond words. Now, when you pray, most of what you think about is what's in your mind and what's in your mouth or what's coming out of your mouth. Your thoughts. And you try to focus your thoughts in prayer, and you try to you know, focus your attention on the Lord. You, you, you try to pray with your mind, and then you try to pray with your mouth. You, you think about words, and you try to find the right words or, or, or say the right thing. But, but I'm just telling you that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about prayer that's beyond all logic and language. So when you pray, the most important thing happening is not what's happening in your mind, and it's not even what's happening in your mouth, it's what's happening in your heart. The most important part of your praying, I'm talking about every time you pray, the most important thing happening is actually the prayer of the Holy Spirit. And that's beyond all logic and language. There is an unstoppable stream of perfect praying that flows above and beneath your own imperfect praying, and it's the prayer of the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? It's this unstoppable stream. I'd say it's beneath, but it's above. I mean, it's, 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 it's all over the praying that you're doing at the very same time. It's the Holy Spirit who's praying. And while your praying is always imperfect, it's always partial. You're always praying out of ignorance and weakness, but the Holy Spirit has no weakness. So the Holy Spirit prays this perfect prayer, this stream of perfect prayer that is flowing out of your heart every time you pray. You with me? It's not coming out of your mind. It's not coming out of your mouth. It's coming out of your heart. It's the Holy Spirit praying in you, through you, and for you. It's the praying of the Holy Spirit. Now, according to Paul, your praying is characterized by weakness. So don't take it personal. We're talking about everybody. Our prayers are characterized by weakness. You can't get around this, and that's never going to change in this life. Your prayers are characterized by weakness. Now remember, in this entire chapter of Romans 8, Paul is talking about the life of the Spirit. And in this section, he's been talking about our future glory, what we look forward to because of Jesus, the glory of heaven and the glory of the kingdom of God. The problem is we don't live in the glory of heaven. We still live right here on this earth. And Paul talks about how the earth itself has fallen. It's corrupted because of sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that all of this world is in bondage to death and decay. In other words, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. That's what Paul is saying. It's all in bondage to death and decay. And for that reason, you'll notice here in verse uh, 22, it says that creation groans. All creation groans. There is this, this, 
this sadness, there is this sorrow, there is this loss, there is this suffering that actually lies beneath everything on earth. It's this groaning because nothing is as it should be, nothing at all as God intended. Creation groans. And in the next verse, it says that we believers groan. We groan as well. We groan because we participate in that. We understand that. We know that the world is broken. We know that the world has fallen. We know that everything is passing away, that everything is in bondage to death and decay. We know this. We feel this in our bones, and that's why we groan too. But also, there's this sense in which we're the only creatures with kind of one foot in in each world. We have one foot in this world that's in bondage to death and decay, but we also have another foot in the world to come. We know the kingdom of God, and we know that, that, that there's a promise of heaven and the hope of glory, and that everything ends gloriously as God brings everything to the conclusion that he himself has chosen. I mean, we know that, and yet we live in this, and so we're stuck in this place of groaning, Paul says. And then he goes on to say that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit groans too. So the Holy Spirit steps into that with us steps into the world, steps into this world of of decay and brokenness. And and that's the place from which we pray and the place from which the Holy Spirit prays. But it's the reason why all of our praying is characterized by weakness. To put it simply, your weakness in praying has to do with the fact that you don't ever really know how to pray and you don't know what to pray for. You don't know how to pray. I, I mean, don't take it personally. I'm talking about all of us. We're human. We don't really know how to pray, and we don't really know what to pray for. We don't ever know what to pray for. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You feel that? I feel it all the time. Now, I especially feel it in those moments when I really, you know, crisis, heavy burdens, when I just really, really, I, I, I long to pray, and in those moments, I often just feel like I, I got nothing. I don't know what to say. I don't even know how to start. I don't know how to put what I'm feeling. I don't know how to put this burden into the shape of a prayer. You know what I'm saying? This building you're sitting in has burned twice. Uh, the first time was right after we built it. It was struck by lightning. The roof got hit by lightning right on the front end there. And then the, uh, this building went into, uh, engulfed in flames. Um, I was with a group of senior adults uh, at a potluck in Bowling Green when I got the call that the church was on fire. Um, It it was horrible. Uh, I packed those ladies in that van as fast as I could, and we drove back to Woodburn. Uh, We pulled up. I could see the smoke. I could see the flames. Um, I could see neighbors and men of the church who who got here and uh, were just moving stuff out. I mean, it it was crazy. There was smoke, there was flames. They carried that piano out on their backs. Um, And then somehow when I walked up, people just stopped and got in a circle and said, Pastor Tim, lead us in prayer. I mean, I just walked in on the scene. And I'm telling you, in that moment, I'm telling you the truth. I didn't know how to breathe. Like I didn't know how to breathe. And I just remember, you know, everybody huddling up and like, Pastor Tim, lead us in prayer. That's the hardest prayer I ever prayed. I mean, like in my head, I know I, I want to pray. I, just want, I want the fire to stop, you know, but I don't know how to say that. Um, you ever just been in those moments where 
like the need, the fear, the burden, it just overwhelms any kind of words that you would have. And this is what it's saying here about the way the Spirit prays. The Holy Spirit prays for us with, with groanings that can't even be expressed in words. So you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray for because all of your praying is characterized by weakness. But the Holy Spirit has no weakness. Understand? The Holy Spirit knows perfectly what you need. The Holy Spirit knows perfectly what the will of God is. And the Holy Spirit somehow, in, in the mystery of your praying, the Holy Spirit is praying through you and for you and, and in you. And the Holy Spirit turns all of that into this unstoppable stream of perfect prayer. You with me? Do you understand the miracle of what I'm describing to you? I'm not telling you something that, that's just for some people. This is every single time you pray. This is exactly how prayer works. Now, I want to take you one step deeper, and I don't always do this, but I think we need to do this. You know that uh, when you talk about Christian doctrine, that to talk about the Christian faith, at some point you need to understand the Trinity. Familiar with that term, Trinity? It's, it's like the triunity of God. We're saying that God is one God in three persons. That's usually what we say. Three persons, we mean there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, these three. There are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But in saying that, we still insist that there's only one God. It's not three gods, it's one God. God is three in one, a triunity. So we're saying that the Trinity is uh, essential to the Christian faith. And you just need to understand that there's God, there's Jesus, there's the Holy Spirit. It's one God, but three persons. Now, when we say three persons, we mean each one is fully God, but at the same time, there's still just one God. We're saying that at the very heart of God, the Scripture says that God is love, which helps you understand that at the very heart of God, the essence of God, God's own existence, are these three perfect beings in perfect relationship. So you can say that they love one another. You can say that there's a relationship within the Godhead. At the same time, God is still just one God. God is a perfect unity of three persons. I know. I mean, it's impossible to understand, but it's important to be able to understand for the Christian faith that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one God. But what I want you to understand is what happens in the life of God every time you pray. Because you really need to understand this. First off, we said that God the Holy Spirit is the one that lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives inside you as a believer. Now, understand, I'm not saying that it's just a part of God in you. You have the fullness of God. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You have the fullness of God dwelling inside of you. So that's where prayer begins. God the Holy Spirit Praise to God the Father because of the work of God the Son. You're thinking, what? The Holy Spirit prays to God the Father? That doesn't make any sense. God prays to God. And yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? But remember when Jesus was on earth, how Jesus would pray to the Father? He was God the Son then. Understand, it's these three beings in relationship, in perfect unity. But you can say, yes, God the Holy Spirit prays to God the Father. And this is what happens every single time you pray. The Holy Spirit begins to talk to God the Father, and all of this because of the work of God the Son. Every time you pray, you are taken up into the life of God. You are taken up into the relationship that is within the very heart of God in itself. God the Holy Spirit begins speaking to God the Father because of God the Son. And all of this happens every single time you pray. 
I, I know, you can just pick up the phone and start talking. You don't have to understand all the physics behind it. I'm not saying you're going to be a written exam on the Trinity when I'm finished here, but I do want you to understand how amazing it is every single time you pray. You can just talk to God, but it's wonderful to begin to grasp what happens every single time you just start talking to God, taking up into the very life of God. Understand, the Holy Spirit prays from within you. Holy Spirit is taking up residence in your life, and in your spirit. So now the Holy Spirit prays from within you. Scripture says, Holy Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. What does that mean, groanings? Holy Spirit prays from within you with groanings. As I said, this word groanings, Paul has used several times, so there's a context for understanding it in this passage, groanings. Creation groans, Paul says. We groan, Paul says. The Holy Spirit groans in our prayer. What is that about? Is it like, uh, like after you eat White Castles, like, uh, you you know, is it? No, I don't think the point is, uh, I I don't think it's that. I, I think it's that point of, of when uh, what needs to be said just baffles words. You know, there, there aren't any words. Surely by now you live long enough to realize there are things words can't say. There are things too deep for words, things just too great for words. There's just words that just give out. And so the scripture wants you to understand that the Holy Spirit has this ability beyond language. To, to pray. When Paul says, with groanings that cannot be expressed in words, it's that, 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 that unutterable part that he's trying to emphasize here, the, the fact that it's beyond language. Now, let me stop for a moment because some of you would, would ask the question, if you've come from a Pentecostal background or you're a closet Pentecostal in a Baptist church, uh, we, won't, we won't throw you out, seriously, you're, you're good here. Um, but I know that some people have used this passage and they understand it to be some sort of private or, or like a secret prayer language. I've known people who've prayed in tongues. I have been in prayer meetings where people prayed in tongues. It does not scare me. It, it, I, I, I guess I kind of like it. It doesn't bother me one bit. Paul actually says you, that, that, among other things, you can't stop people from speaking in tongues. Do not forbid people from speaking in tongues. So you're not going to shut that down. But, but at the same time, is that what Paul's talking about here? Do we all need to pray in tongues? Is, is that what's suggested? And, and we can talk about this uh, at another time. But let me just say, and this is it's, it's just my opinion, but I think it's important here in this passage to, to put the emphasis on the part that can't be expressed in words. I don't really think this is talking about some, you know, unknown language, some tongue speaking, although I know that that's real. I just, I don't think that what's, that's what Paul is speaking of here for the simple reason that we're talking about the prayer of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit doesn't need words. Or something saying, remember, we got God, the Holy Spirit, talking to God the Father. They don't need words. You know, it's the same God. And so for that reason, I don't believe that Paul is saying that, you know, there's this special way to pray and it involves words you just don't know them. No, that's not the point. It's not words that you don't know. It's words that you can't even express. It's words that don't exist. And I think that's the whole point. It's beyond language. It's not just a language you don't know. It's beyond all language. It's a different level of connection, a different 
level of communication within the, the very essence of God himself. So, so understand, the Holy Spirit prays from within you, but the Holy Spirit doesn't need words to communicate with the Father. Understand, not only does he pray from within you, the Holy Spirit prays for you. When I say he prays for you, I mean he prays for you. In other words, all your prayers are weak. All of your prayers come from a place of ignorance and, and anguish. And the Holy Spirit prays for you. As in, he, he stands in your place. He, he prays a prayer that you would pray if you had good sense. You know, I mean, the Holy Spirit prays for you. Also, the Holy Spirit prays for you. Like for you and then for you. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's actually praying about you. The Holy Spirit begins to pray, to intercede, to begin to speak to the Father on your behalf. To ask for the things that, 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 that you need. To be able to express the things that you can't even say. The Holy Spirit prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays for you. I would also say it this way. If I can get the, there we go. The Holy Spirit, this is probably more just the way my brain works. But I think part of what the Holy Spirit does is sort of sort out that, that tangle of ignorance and anguish that, that is my prayer. I think the Holy Spirit has that ability to take all of that and, and, and form that into something that's effective. You know what I mean? Like, all of my praying is just this tangle of ignorance and anguish. I don't know what to pray for, but I just keep on praying anyway because God wants me to pray but at the same time, my prayer is always out of weakness. It's always somehow out of ignorance. I don't sit where God sits, so I don't see what God sees. And for that reason, I, I, don't, I don't know what to pray for. Always kind of stuck in between, like we said. We live in the world, and so all of our attention and affection is with worldly things. And, but everything in this world is passing away. There's heaven that we have to look forward to, but... You know, and we pray, you would think that sometimes we don't even know about the gospel. I mean, some of you, like, you got a 99-year-old grandma, and God bless her soul. She's been with us a long, long time. But then, like, every time, you know, she burps, you pray that she'll stay alive. And it's something, I mean, God bless her. I'm not saying I wish she were dead, but I'm just saying, she's 99, y'all. I mean, at some point, she gets to die and go to heaven. She can't just walk around here, you know, like the crypt keeper at age 200, you know, at some point, it's better. It's just better to die and, and go. And, and honestly, heaven's better for all of us. You know, when you yourself get sick and you just pray, oh, God, just don't let me die. God, don't let me die. But at the same time, wouldn't heaven be awesome? I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I wish we all could die together. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying there's just this tension between how it feels to be, you know, here on earth living and loving the world and at the same time somehow knowing that everything better still awaits us in the world to come. We don't know how to pray. And most of the time when we pray, it's just it's out of ignorance and anguish, this incredible tangle of emotion. I've had a very heavy burden for most of this year. It's a burden for somebody else. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And, and I prayed so many times now that when I just go, I just think, I don't have any new way to say this. I've, I don't have another new way to ask for this, God. But, but I'm still praying because I don't feel like God's answered yet, you know. And my heart just breaks. My heart's so heavy. And, I, and my prayer just comes in this tangle of ignorance. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know how to say it. I don't know, I don't know how to 
not have my heart break every time I pray, you know, but I think the Holy Spirit has that ability just to take all of that and somehow sort that out and, and present it to God as, as a perfect stream of praying. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I think that that's part of the gift of, of what he can do. I would also say this. I think the Spirit searches your heart and prays a prayer you'd pray if you could know what he knows. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that most of the time what we pray for, we're praying for the wrong thing because we don't know any better. We just don't know. And I, I wouldn't say every time, but I'd say most every time, you don't even know. Because you don't know what's possible. You don't know what God could do. You, you have no idea how things are turning out. And so you ask for stupid stuff. We all pray stupid. We just do. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit prays in, in perfect accordance with God's own will. And, and I'm just telling you, whatever God wants to do, it is 900 million times better than whatever you want done. God's answer to your problem is amazing. You have no idea. You, don't, you wouldn't even be able to imagine it to ask for it. You ever heard the phrase, blessing in disguise? Would you not say that most all the best gifts in your life came as blessings in disguise? What do we mean by that? It means that when that blessing walked through that door, you thought, uh-uh, uh-uh. It didn't look like a blessing at first. You know what I'm saying? It's a blessing in disguise, which just means that in most instances in your life when God brought something wonderful, like the very best gifts of your life, it was something you wouldn't even have thought to ask for. You wouldn't have even known how much you wanted. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying God's ability to bless your life is way beyond your ability to imagine your life blessed. And so I think this is what the Holy Spirit does. He searches your heart. It's an amazing name of God found in verse 27. The New Living Translation kind of blows it. And the Father who knows all hearts. But Paul says, in God, the searcher of hearts. Gives him a name, God the searcher of hearts. Understand, God searches out your heart. He knows your longings. He knows the deepest desires. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your needs. He knows what you need better than you think you know what you need. And I'm just saying, I think the Holy Spirit searches your heart and prays a prayer you'd pray if you could know what he knows. If you could see what he sees, if you could sit where he sits, you'd be saying, yes, I want that. Forget what I just said. I want that. Y'all ever, have you lived long enough to thank God for unanswered prayers? Dumbest prayer I ever prayed was in college, and I'd broken up with this girl, and then as soon as I broke up with her, I regretted that, and so I tried to get her back, but by that point, she was too mad to take me back. So I went to her house and stood outside in the snow and begged her and cried like an idiot. And, then, and she said, get out of here. And so I left, and I was walking back to my apartment in the snow. This is the saddest story ever, y'all, true. It was in the snow. I was crying. I had, like, like frozen tears on the bottom of my chin. And I was saying, oh, God, oh, Jesus, please give her back to me. Please bring her back to me. I am so glad God didn't answer that prayer. Thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. That was the dumbest prayer ever. I didn't know she was crazy then. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was asking. So, oh, 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 please, I don't want to live without her. Please, please. Oh, good Lord. Like when I pray, now it's just like, God, listen, don't, don't listen to me. We're not going to listen to me because whatever I pray, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know what you know. I don't see what you see. Whatever I pray, let's just go with what you know in you. You know what I'm saying? And this is what the Spirit does. While you're praying stupid, the Holy Spirit's back there going, you know, it's the Holy Spirit who's, who is, you know, above and beneath that prayer you're praying in weakness. The Holy Spirit is just letting this unstoppable stream of perfect prayer go. It's the prayer that you pray if you knew what he knew. You know what I'm saying? Do you love that? Every time you pray, I'm not talking about like this is what would happen if you were a better Christian. No, this is just what prayer is what prayer is. So it's the Holy Spirit praying for you. So what's he praying for? I mean, you know what I mean? Like what's, if he's praying for you about you, what, what does he ask for? Well, all we know is what it says in verse 28. It's a verse that, it's probably the verse you know best out of what I just read, but you don't understand that it follows what we just read. Holy Spirit intercedes for believers according to God, it says. And in verse 28, and we know, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are calling to his purpose for him. What God intends to do is to bless you. God's always working for your good. He always intends to bless you. There's nothing in this world that can cancel or thwart God's intention to bless your life. You know this? So in whatever problem you're facing, God is at work, and God wants to work for your good. God is going to bless you out of this. Whatever situation you're in, God is going to work for your good. That's the promise here. It's the Holy Spirit from within you who also, you know, of course, has the very mind of God. And so there's this immediate connection, this alignment between you and your burdens and your needs and your problems and the perfect will of God to bless your life. And the Holy Spirit prays out of that place every time you pray. As I say, if you're not a believer, I'm not, I can't be talking to you. I'm just saying that there's one prayer you got to pray to get this whole thing going, and that's the prayer of salvation. God can't respond to any other prayer until you deal with your sin problem. And the only solution to your sin problem is the solution that Jesus brings. You put your faith in Jesus, and you pray that prayer of surrender and salvation. And I'm telling you, everything else we're talking about, it flows out of that first prayer. Your whole prayer life begins once you pray that prayer of salvation, and then all the other prayers come from that, the Holy Spirit comes in and prays for you, never stops. I think if you could begin to understand part of that, if you could at least understand that the Holy Spirit prays every time you pray, I think it would change the way you pray. I, I think, first off, you'd pray. I think it would be less likely you'd fall asleep in your own praying. I think you'd pray believing I think everything about prayer changes when you realize that you have a partner. It's the Holy Spirit of God himself praying in you and through you and for you every time you pray. So let's pray. God, it's all beyond us. We will never pray in anything but faith and weakness. 
we can never, on this side of heaven, sit where you sit or know what you know or see what you see. So, Lord, this is our only option in praying. Lord, you know we need a helper. You know we need someone to pray for us, through us, and in us. So, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we pray through the power of Jesus that we would learn to stay in step with the Spirit, that we would walk in the Spirit, that we would pray in the Spirit, that we would let our entire lives be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God that now dwells within us. Lord Jesus, we know that the gift of the Spirit was always intended to be the power, to, to be the source of everything that is required in the Christian life. So Holy Spirit, rise up within us, set our hearts on fire. Teach us to understand the power that is in our very mouths, in our very hearts, in our very hands, in our fingertips, Lord. Help us to know the power that comes every single time we pray. Help us, Lord, to understand the possibilities that, that are suddenly introduced when we're praying to a God for whom all things are possible. Lord Jesus, often when we pray, we don't have words to say. We don't even know how to start. So, Holy Spirit. Pray for us, pray through us, pray in us. Pray the prayer that we would pray if we had the words. Pray the prayer that we would pray if we had good sense. Pray the prayer that you know will lead us into the perfect plan, the perfect will, the perfect blessing of God for our lives. Lord Jesus, we don't really know how to pray or what to pray for, but we thank you that your Holy Spirit prays in us, through us, for us. Every single time we pray, out of the groanings of our heart, Lord Jesus, hear our prayers. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Amen.